0: Well, as you know, having been, you know, a theatre and
1: writer and and touring. All of those high-paying positions, all of those massive jobs. (laughs) My friend Garner Rogers says being a Canadian folk singer means being only slightly better known than someone in the witness protection program. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Welcome to Connie's Table, and I can hardly wait to introduce you to my next guest, which is Andrea Menard, who I've known for many years. She is kind of an inspiration on all the... the, As a creative person, man, she has done it all. She is a a famous actress from shows like Monkens and Flats, Blackstone, uh, all sorts of things. You're an actress. You've written a play. You're a playwright. You are a fabulous singer and songwriter, and... You're a Métis kind of powerhouse woman. I can hardly wait to talk to you. Because, and the first question I want to do is because way back when, back in the Paleolithic age when we first met, you we were talking, we had all these similarities, theater and all this stuff. And I said, well, you know, talking about music, which is, no, I think acting is what I really want to focus on. And I was stunned, stunned at the time because you were just such a spectacular singer and songwriter. But, man, was I wrong. Did it work for you? So my question is, why? Why did you choose that? What was that, about that path that, uh, that meant more to you? Well, it's funny because back then, I knew they were both emerging.
0: Acting and singing were emerging at the same time. Hmm. And I knew I couldn't choose. I knew that, that singing was my God voice, my connection to the creator, the grandmothers, the ancestors. And I knew I didn't want to use it for fame you know i know i just there was some part of me that just went i don't think i will survive that mm-hmm. and then the other part of me is i love what makes like what makes human beings tick so the acting gave me that window of being able to go in and dive in but as years went on connie you know i realized i was two things and then i went oh no i'm three things i'm a writer and then of course being indigenous i 'm not just three things i 'm not just two things i 'm four things i 'm four parts of a medicine wheel
1: Hey, and we 're glad you are, man. We are glad you are. Let it turn. so when you chose acting, because you're uh, those of you who cannot see Andrea Minard, she is stunningly beautiful, great, talented, a, a generous, open person all around, but when you chose to show what an Aboriginal woman can be on television and in that incredibly popular medium that worked very well for you. I mean, the camera loves your face and we're glad it does. You <laughs> became more than just an actress. It became more than just paying the rent, I think. And that's what's powerful mm. about what you chose.
0: Mm. Well, thank you for seeing it that way because you're right. Uh, I mean, I, I like to say that I gave over my career early because there's so many things that, are unhealthy about our industries, music and film and television. Like, Especially you know, for women. Oh, this big train of ugh, selling sex and fame and fortune, right? And, yeah. and there's this deep part of me that just felt that out of sync with that. Um, so I gave over my career. I said, okay, if I'm not meant to do anything else in this life, you know, these seem to be my talents. So this seems to be where I'm meant to go. So how can I be of service? I give over my career. If I'm doing this for me or my ego or fame and fortune, I'm out. I'm out. And of course, <laughs> it's, very, it's very seductive, right? So of course I can... And you have I to make a living and you have to eat. Oh, and it's, it, it uh, can be attractive. It can be seductive. And, and so of course I would fall into that. But then I would have to go, nope, I forgot. I gave this over. I'm not doing this. I'm out. I'm out.
1: But... In that process, you were at a time and a place where you could have just done that. And you could have just gone the way and just, you know, I don't know, whatever that world leads to the television world, the fame and the fortune world. But you chose to play strong people. You chose to play a strong and beautiful Aboriginal woman. And you chose to show something to, I think, all of those young women out there that are going, wow, I'm going to be her when I grow up. I want to be that good. I want to be that cop. I want to be that actress. I want to be that whatever. And it was a to have someone like you doing that. I think was the gift. In fact, to the rest of us.
0: Well, here's the exciting thing, though, is that I got to play characters like that on television because Indigenous people wrote them, directed them, and produced those shows. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Yeah. Would I have got that chance otherwise? And I'm a light-skinned woman, you know. So in my Indigenous community gave me those roles, but would. The mainstream community have said oh she doesn't look native enough um, oh God, enough you up you.
1: yeah no, right? no. but there you are and you brought your talents considerable talents and storytelling ability and that you know camera loving and face and all of that stuff to those roles and uh, you needed it you needed that it needed those things and it was given to you and you're right they were written that way isn't it always the way that you have to reclaim your own stories? Always, as women, as whatever, as you know, yeah. that those yeah. are the best stories too. Those are the best stories. Exactly, exactly. So, what was it like being part of that, part of that whole thing?
0: Well, in a way, that was the beginning of APTN back then. Yeah, we were the beginning of a movement of, of really claiming, as you said, reclaiming our indigenous storytelling uh, talents and also getting enough practice to be able to be seen as equal on the mainstream front, because, you know, if you don't get those lead roles, if you don't get the directors to be able to do it day in, day out for weeks on end, you know, we don't get the chops like yeah. people in the mainstream. So APTN, the Aboriginal People's Television Network, for those who've never heard of it, which you should have heard of You it, should have heard of it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, it it was it as it was and is the platform that launched many, many of our careers. So I am so grateful to that.
1: And it's ex- it's exciting stuff too. It was groundbreaking mm-hmm. stuff. Moccasin Flats was groundbreaking and mm-hmm. wild and just Blackstone, you know, same thing. Yeah. Yep. And and great television. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Gritty, raw, yeah. Funny, like horrifying. Like it's yes. good. And, yeah, and, uh, I mean, there's so many stories out there that I would love to see put into a series. And it's always gratifying that some of the, you know, it's like another one over the wall for me. When I see an artist that I really like, like you, and I see an artist who's talented and has something beyond, let's just get out there and make my face a household name and all of that things. And, in fact, their trust was well-founded. You have done that. You Mm. have told stories, you know, Velvet Devil, Tell us a little bit about that. That's that's just a play you wrote, starred in, on and on. That that, that velvet devil. Oh,
0: I, I tell everyone that she in was the my. Velvet, eman- velvet.
1: I keep saying red velvet because because of the cake, really, because of the cake. Well,
0: and because I was wearing red velvet, like oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So don't worry, it gets happens a lot. Um, <clears throat> the, the I call her she, my emancipator. Hmm. She was this character, and in a way, I I just say that the grandmothers probably. Centered to me. She haunted me, or she was one of the grandmothers. I don't know. She haunted me, this character. And you got to remember, like I was an, you know, kind of a bush kid, small city, small town, not really sophisticated, not trained in music. I'm still not trained in music, music, acting. I knew nothing, but this character came and I saw the whole package. I saw that it was a play. I saw that it was a CD and I saw that it was a movie. And I went, Awesome. I'll just whip that off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Nice. Sure, that's how easy it's going to be. Well, you so, know, sometimes being from the prairies where nobody expects anything of you allows you to do everything. <laughs> you know it. You know it. But here's the thing. Like, Bush Girl,
0: learning each of those industries one painful inch at a time. I knew nothing. And because I saw the vision so clearly, it's like all the fear of breaking through and finding out. I don't know how to write a play. I don't write music. How do I write music? I had brutal lessons during the Velvet Devil. Oh, who brutal would be brutal to you? Who would be brutal? <laughs> oh, big stories. Um And it's like every step I took was pushed me towards the goal but I had to walk over obstacle after obstacle many of them inside like my fear was profound of breaking out of my shell and being public and being visible
1: and all of a sudden learning about why would you be afraid of being visible I mean I guess I see you as a talent such a talented person and you're beautiful and you're uh, you know strong and you're generous in your personality you've got a generous personality which is why I think where everything stems from in your Mm -hmm. whole career myself but there you go I think I didn't know that I was much more of an introvert than I realized I know this
0: about me now but I didn't know that about me back then and I got overwhelmed very very easily Mm. things overwhelmed me and especially when I'm around people that just knew things that knew the business I just kind of Uh, uh instead of Feeling safe to, and maybe that's my indigenous lineage of it's not a woman safe,
1: too. A woman, a
0: woman. It's not safe to um, to be. Everybody knows more than you. That kind of thing. Yeah. And to and to have contracts and and things that have traditionally been taken advantage of you know there was
1: just so many unknowns and so many fears and so much baggage and 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 there wasn't much infrastructure in there either then it wasn't much like management somebody that would come along say I'll take care of that for you no there wasn't any of that stuff was there for anybody
0: well if you followed a certain path yeah But they go, well, oh, can you just do country? I could do so much with
1: you if you were just committed to being country. Or if you were this, if you were just this, if you were just this. And I'm like, "Ah, I can't. I was told I had to polish my boots and sing more popular songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (sighs) we'll get that. (laughs) Thank God you didn't, Connie Collins. I
0: know. Thank God 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 you you didn't. (laughs) You can blame it all on
2: an old time too. Oh, I I never would have sang
1: that that song. (laughs) Oh. Thank you. But it's, for me, it, it is proof positive that the creative, like the introvert part is where the creativity comes from, isn't it? On a certain level, like that's where the dream comes. That's the part you protect as an introvert, right? That little dream. That's what keeps it going. Yeah, it is. It is. And I guess um,
0: that, that sacred space of the creation is the part that launches the dream for everyone, especially for creative people. But I guess the extrovert, had to, you know, cuz I have an extroverted part of me like look, you know, I'm blah blah blah, I'm I have that, <laughs> right? We can I can be on stage, no problem. But it does take a toll. Like I need to go back in and refuel.
2: Hmm.
0: Where some people don't. And so for me, the extrovert was the part that had to go and keep blasting through doors and blasting through um my uh, my little safe space. I just had to keep breaking down doors in order to be out in the world. And especially as a young woman who people want to capitalize on that, it was just so much more intense. How did you manage to keep your head in all of that? I would say that I probably nurtured that interior space a lot. You know, Once I, I, I did refuel very well. And of course, when you go inside, when you refuel into that creative space, you know, like most songs, anyone who writes has to go there, right? Mm-hmm. We get, we have to go into that quiet space to figure it out. Um, but it was so like, I, I tell everyone that I have really loud grandmothers whispering in my ear. They've always been really bossy, <laughs> my ancestors. So it's not like I could ignore them. Hmm. You know, I, I spiritual growth and, and connectedness to my culture and to my inner worlds through traditional as well as contemporary ways of how I take care of myself, that's a big part of my life. Mm. That's a big part because I think our world is so out of balance. So I do my best to, to use that creativity for myself as well as for the wellness of myself and the wellness of others.
1: Yeah, I, can't,
0: I can't do it alone.
1: Huh. Who were some of the people that um, encouraged you to be creative when you were young? Were there any, uh, like you're talking about your grandmothers that are there, but were there actual grandmothers and or mothers or parents or sisters or brothers? Well,
0: yeah, my dad is a very, very creative person, but he's also an example. And, you know, he was the king of the kitchen party. So my mom harmonized the most beautiful harmony. So I got to grow up with, with a star in the family, you know? Ah. But I also got to experience my father not believing that he was allowed to go after his dreams. Hmm. So he did that on the weekends. He didn't. I didn't have anyone who did art, who were a performer or who was yeah. an
1: artist living. I just didn't know anybody. Well, how many were there in the Prairies in those days anyway? Five. I know any did anybody you know anybody who did it? Let alone from your family. Yeah. But right? that was just the way of way it was back then. I think too. And lots of talented
0: people around you, but mm-hmm. no one really giving you, you know, that invitation to do this yeah. for a living. Like, who knew?
1: If you're so good, why are you in Saskatoon? That old line, you know. Like, if you're if you're so good, why are you still here? Because right. anybody that's good would have left long ago, and probably some of them did. But still, hard to make a living in the arts. Really hard back then, unless you were a fiddle player and played the dances, I guess. But yeah, right. But you still had another job. Yeah. So we, we as women were the total fortunate ones to consider and actually carry on a life in the arts. Oh, so fortunate! When
0: did you decide you're going to do that? I was in university, hmm? you know, um, at going after a teaching degree. Wow. And because that was the most I, I was going to teach drama because that was the most creative thing I could think of. <laughs>
1: Oh God, teaching. There's no way I'd have been a teacher. They would have, I'm sure they would have run me out of town on a rails with my first production if I was doing that. Oh, me too.
0: <laughs> I had no like there was no vision of any other options. Like I said, oh you're good at this, but that doesn't matter. So teaching drama <laughs> was the only work I could see. I didn't, I didn't know theater existed. <laughs> I thought it. People, I, I met people in the drama department once I went in as a teacher and or an education student. And I was like, a BFA, Bachelor of <laughs> Fine Acting, are you going to go to Hollywood? Like, literally, <laughs> I had <have> no idea. Bush <laughs> girl. So, um, it was, when did the penny drop? That was it. I was, uh, I was about three, uh, well, I was about to go into my internship to finish my degree.
1: And <laughs> Always I had, a tender time.
0: <laughs> I had my first existential crisis. <laughs> I know I'm going to go and pay off my student loan. I know I'm going to go and, and be responsible. And I know I'm going to try and make my family proud because I'm the first person to graduate and go to university. And I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> And, and my friend, bless her heart, said, I have a magic wand. If I were to say you can never be a teacher, how would you feel? I went, really? <laughs> <laughs> and they looked at me and said, um, then why are you doing it?
1: Yeah. And it occurred to me that I could quit. And so I did. I mean, being I- a teacher is something that I, I mean, I just know I can never be one because I've seen some good ones. and. It is a calling on its own. And I have nothing against being a teacher, but for some of us, it would well, have been we a disaster. <laughs>
0: play, and we would have been in the wrong place.
2: Oh.
0: Yeah. So um, I quit and took um, my fourth year acting, and I've never looked back. And I honor those times and, and honor the teachers that do this, because I would have been a bad one. Where did you go to university? <laughs> university of Saskatchewan. Ah. Saskatchewan.
1: Okay. Oh, there you go. The River City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this, uh, you had what it was at the right time in the right place, and you took them to address some issues like violence against women and those kinds of things. And how did you choose to do that?
0: Well, as, as I said before, I've been expanding this idea of the, I am a medicine wheel of four things, the actor, the singer, the writer, and kind of the messenger or the speaker. And once I realized that, I recognized why there was another aspect of me that was hungry and not satisfied. Hmm. I went, okay. So I started, because I'd always done speaking, you know, sometimes when you're on stage or when you're invited as, as a celebrity, you're asked to do keynotes. So I've been doing it a lot. But I didn't know what my one particular message was. I just talked about something different every, every time I went somewhere. Like what? Like what? Oh, whatever, you know, if whatever they wanted to hear, you know, instead of necessarily knowing what my message was, because that was very private. I don't know if I can share that, you know. But mm-hmm. now, as you said, I'm doing the Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge, and that's what everything was trying to be born back then. I just didn't know it. Anyway, so I was...
2: I, I just was think it's a
1: feminist act to say feminine, Ah, you know, just to say that word is already a little door has to open to do that. Yeah, well,
0: exactly. Hmm. But according to my Indigenous elders, this is the time of the rise of the sacred feminine. It's very Mm -hmm. different. I like that. I like that. I take that very seriously. When I heard those words, everything clicked. Hmm. So what was your
1: question was? um. What did you, how did you come to that? You took all of this stuff that you've been learning and took your creativity to another place.
0: So, um, so here I was already opening these, this professional speaking door, and when you do that, the TEDx stage or the TED stage all of a sudden becomes very important. You know, it's just one of the places where you can you can promote what you're talking about. So and, and almost before I was ready a friend of mine recommended me for the Stanley Park, TEDx Stanley Park in Vancouver, which was one of the biggest ones because somebody dropped out and I went.
2: (laughs) Uh,
1: Ah, you know, there's somebody pulling a few strings way back there. Learned grandmothers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I had not chosen, I'm going to use my voice to end violence against women. That subject chose me. I was in the midst of creating what I wanted to write. And I told the story about my experience with sexual violence, but it wasn't going to be the main story. It was just going to be this backstory. And that's all I wanted it to be back, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. But it's like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be satisfied until I declared that this was what I was going to talk about.
2: Hmm.
0: Because at the time, I mean, it's so, oh, it's so perfect because at the exact same time I was doing that, the whole Me Too movement happened. And then the, you know, the declaration about Harvey Weinstein and the national inquiry into the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Everything was happening at the same time. And I was resisting being a voice of who wants to talk about violence against women? Like nobody. But that's the point. Nobody wants to talk about it. So, Andrea, you're being called by deepest part of you, by the grandmothers, by the women who went before you, by the missing and murdered Indigenous women before you, by all women, my family members, my friends who have been harmed, and every single one of my friends has been harmed in a, certain, in a sexual way. There's not one friend who hasn't been. So it was time. Of course, I didn't want to, but I had to rally my courage and just mm-hmm. open that throat up and declare what I came to declare. So all of a sudden my TED Talk became um, a platform for using, it's called Silent No More, Mm -hmm. using your voice to end violence against women. And I wrote a song to go with it because I was singing a song at the end and I went, that doesn't feel right. If I were to write a song, Mm -hmm. what would I say? And it started coming out and just puking out of me. (laughs)
1: soaring out of you perhaps might be better puking okay that's a real prairie thing man you know you are such a prairie gal i mean the the worst thing you can say about a prairie person is she really thinks she's something you know like that that's the worst so the worst insult so (laughs) americans do not understand when i say that but that's true isn't it like oh yeah yeah don't you know don't put on airs oh dear oh (laughs) yeah Well, it's interesting. I'm just getting ready to launch a video for a song of mine called Too Many Missing and Gone. I'm just hearing that statistic. Yeah. 2000? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, what? 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 Yeah. Like, uh, bravo. Kudos to the women that brought that out. I mean, I'd never known about it. I mean, after 50, didn't they start getting concerned? After 100, didn't two? And, the, and you know
0: the things that people didn't realize is because of the systemic racism you know they didn't realize that some people that women aunties mothers who went missing in the 70s were not declared missing until the 90s because they went ah eh, she was this ah uh, you know they off yeah so no one took anyone seriously because they were indigenous I know. and that that's the part of the systemic racing that would never happen for any for any
1: if it was co- a yeah out. two thousand bus drivers, two thousand politicians they'd have stopped at fifty well maybe some of us I don't know <laughs> <laughs> right anyway let's I just here I'm supposed to be talking about you and your creative process and we got sidetracked with a little bit of uh,
0: see that's what a good podcast is about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So how does that create a spirit keep alive in you and what keeps you going? Well, as you know, having been,
0: you know, a theater and writer and and tour all of those
1: high paying positions, all of oh, those big massive money. jobs. Oh. <laughs> My friend Garner Rogers says being a Canadian folk singer means being only slightly better known than someone in the witness protection program. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Canadian theatre is kind of right up there, too. <laughs> oh, huge. I'm, I'm huge in Canada. We're yeah, oh, no. touring in Canada, the things we do for art. <laughs> but oh, no. television is different. Yeah. Yeah, but
0: if you haven't seen APTN, you know, a lot of people still don't know who I am, unless Blackstone broke through. So we're working on it still. Hey, I'm working on it. Go. And you're not dead yet. You could be another. There's another series in the way, I'm sure. Oh, somewhere.
1: oh, there's, oh. More. there's more to come. <laughs>
0: So what keeps it going? Well, just like you, you know, we have these, these, um, waves, these valleys and peaks. And I'm lucky because, you know, there can be years when things are quiet, when nothing comes like my last album, it came, I released it right at the time when everything was switching over and I lost my shirt. Oh my gosh. I lost my shirt. And and it, it, it completely devastated me to go, I don't think I'm ever
1: going to do this again. Oh, <laughs> and I haven't. Just come to our
0: place. We have a studio.
1: Don't even, don't pass go, just get on the plane.
0: Yeah. Oh, I just didn't want to. But the fact is that, you know, there's valleys and peaks. And when I, when one thing is quiet, I'm lucky that a creative impulse will come up in one of the other parts. Like Hmm. my acting and singing career has been very quiet for several years. And of course, that's been my big bread and butter. And that's, uh, that's hard, Um, you know, financially, it's hard emotionally, but it's also the birthing of all this other stuff of the writing and the sacred feminine learning lodge and the speaking and my TED talk, which of course I didn't get paid for. But the fact is something always, I'm impulsed, impulsed to do the next thing. And I know that without a break in my acting and singing career, I never would have birthed this stuff. Cause I needed time. I needed uh, space to go inward. I needed to have way more, maybe too much time on my hands where I was acting.
1: Boredom is the father of invention. Oh, right. <laughs> and, yeah.
0: emo- and emotional trauma, like going, oh my gosh, I, who am I without these titles, without these jobs? Who am I? And I had no idea. Truly.
1: And you know what? Part of it is, is that we don't have clear role models, artists and how they lived their lives and stuff and how they carried on and what they did later and, and how to, how to uh, negotiate that path. And it's a, it's a hard path, I think. It's fabulous. Yeah. I wouldn't want any other way. But it is not uh, for the faint of heart. And you are not the faint of heart.
0: Um, Maria Campbell was an example from the Métis community who was my first, my first example of being an artist following that impulse. But she was an example of someone who never lost sight of her community. No, she's amazing. But she always brought the community up with her, and I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know. I watched, going, I want to do that, but I don't know how. Mm. And then I watched Tom Jackson do that. He's uh, such yeah. an example of, of doing this for others. Yeah. And again, I didn't know how to do it. I knew I gave away my career to be of service, but I still didn't know what it looked like. I, I knew I made that decision early, but I didn't know. So you're right. Having role models, gosh, it would have been amazing to have more people to learn from. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you were an example to me, Connie Calder. Oh gosh. You you were so now you were you were from Saskatchewan and you were so doing it your way and you were loved.
1: (laughs) Yes, I've been lucky. I have been very lucky. Um maybe I just never thought of what was going to be popular, obviously, and more thought about what I wanted to do and what I would be at ease with doing. So how did that work through your life?
0: Um, pretty much the same, you know,
1: it's like, I, I, think
0: you got pretty bossy grandmothers whispering in your ear oh, too, yeah. you see, you couldn't, you couldn't not do it the way
1: you did it, right? Mm. Well, I was probably not going to be very good at doing it the other way either.
0: Exactly. Me either. You called it stubborn. I'm like, eh, it's probably bossy grandmothers too. You got bossy
1: ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> I do come from a long line of stubborn women. I will say right. that my mother's 101 years old. So if she's, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, she's long-term <laughs> stubborn. Bless her heart. Yeah, they're the They'll kind that can get daughter. on. They could get on the old boat and row across Iceland. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> God love her. God love it. Um,
0: yeah. Um, I have no idea what we that we just. That was no, I so got sidetracked.
1: We're, we <laughs> We're talking about creativity and the creative impulse and breaking the mold. Is that our nature as Prairie girls breaking the mold? Well, according to my
0: elders. Now is the time of the rise of the sacred feminine. Ah. Now, the feminine to me is that because all of the systems are masculine on the planet, like all of them have been, mm. they are masculine in nature, which is not bad. It's just that because they have created a value system that makes the feminine qualities less than, we're out of balance. Mm. And so, indigenous knowledge lays, lies in the sacred feminine knowledge. Woman's knowledge um, lies in the sacred feminine knowledge. Earth-based knowledge, respect and love for the earth is in sacred feminine knowledge. E- emotional uh, wellness, uh, expression, respect for the emotions lives in the sacred feminine. So, mm. so all of us are doing our part. So yeah, from the elders that I've been talking to, they are saying it is the time of woman And so women will be taking the lead. So there's going to be some strong leaders and women who don't want to be leaders being kind of eh, (laughs) having to break through and be, be the leaders they're here to be. And for men, the rise of the sacred feminine is the fact that they're also going to um, examine and embrace their nurturing natures their emotional natures so of course that's why we see more male parents stay-at-home dads you know the environmental movement all of that stuff so we are right on track <laughs>
1: <laughs> good to know <laughs> sometimes you feel like you're in the middle of the forest and don't know which track you're on but it's good to know we're on the right track i'll just keep walking forward then shall we big picture yeah Big picture big picture
2: hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so all of these things that you do what do you think the next step for you is going to be is it going to be what which of these things would you re- like to explore well
0: I am really excited right now because singing will always be there and I'm I'm I'm, I'm writing songs in a different way right now I'm, I'm really liking singing with my rattle and singing with a drum um uh, and Robert Walsh and I are living so far apart that we're not necessarily writing our songs together mm-hmm. but that's that's always going to be there and we will always continue to do that. But what's, you know, that's sort of pushing me the impulse that isn't finished right now. So who knows when it gets finished, we'll see what happens, but what's, what's pulling me is to create these, like I'm doing retreats in Hawaii. So sacred feminine retreats for women and men. So that's one part, but I'm, I'm really excited about bringing all of what I do, all of what I do, music, the, the trainings, the, the pampering of the goddess. <laughs> I'm wanting to do live events where women and men, but I think at the moment there might be women, where I do a lead like a goddess live event. And that's just like turning the whole live events on their butt. And that means how does indigenous knowledge and sacred feminine wisdom inform my way of bringing this forth and I don't know the answer to that yet but I'm looking forward to how that comes about so live events sometime when we can all meet again Mm. together
1: (laughs) oh that looks sounds wonderful wonderful and do you think you're interested in acting again and doing television or is this this your driving force now what you're doing
0: oh my god I would of course I love it um and, and you know like back then when I did a lot of the work the work sort of came to me I wasn't you know what I mean I I had people who wrote parts for me the most amazing ones were the ones that already knew me and so um yeah I don't necessarily get roles in the traditional way they haven't been that successful for me so I will trust of course if it, if 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 those parts come around again I will
1: I'll, I'll throw myself at them <laughs> I think it's just amazing what you do. I really do. <laughs> Andrew, you're like, like I was saying, if there's any more, if you do any more, if you add another one on it, if you fi- figure out there's five spots on that wheel, there's not going to be enough room on your website to add whatever the, uh, the other thing is that you're doing on the end there. Uh, well, right back at you, Connie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I look at you and I think, I, what have I been doing for the last, I said, oh, look at what she's doing. She's so amazing. There's that one where you were with Digging Roots and all those people singing that Round the Fire, um... Oh, I love yeah. that.
0: Come and it by my fire. Ah,
1: yes, I love that song. I loved what was going on there and all the people you had involved. Where did that idea come from? That was a commission from the Jennifer Bodemsky and the team at the
0: Inspire Awards that used to be called the National Aboriginal Achievement Awards. Oh yeah, and they, they wanted to write a song like in the '80s when all of the Canadian musicians and American musicians and British musicians all came up with you know, we are the world or, you know, those kind of songs. And I'm like, we need an indigenous version. So I was lucky to be one of the songwriters.
1: Oh, no, not lucky. You're talented to be now. Talented yeah. enough
2: to be one of there the songwriters. Three, there were
0: four of us, or three, four of us awesome. in that room. And, and then to gather all the incredible singers, it was uh, kind of one of, a, one of those dreams come true.
1: Okay. My last thing is, do you have any advice for creative people out there for, men or women or whatever. Do you have any advice for creative people in finding their sacred feminine self, creative feminine self?
0: Every single person, this is their inherent right. This is their sacred lineage to be creators in this earth walk, to be here. And so it's not something that, you know, some people may be more practiced at it and maybe have more skills in accessing it, but every single person is, has act, is a creative being, and that is the place. Nothing on the outside exists without it first being a dream. A, a, a vision has to be dreamed first in order to be to become a reality. So, you know, if if anyone in any job in any vocation in any anyone who has a vision a dream, it has to come from the inside first. So discover. Find some tools that get you into those spaces. If we want to see a world where there's no violence, if we want to see a world where Mother Earth is Mother Earth is respected, if we want to see a world where women are valued, if we wanna see a world where Indigenous people feel safe in this country, we have to dream it first. And that means the dreams, the dreams are so much more important than we realize. So go in, access, find the tools to access those deep realms the ocean of creation the womb the room of creation because that's where everything is birthed.
1: wise words it's interesting I've, I've been talking to three people one of whom is paula jardine and the other two is two women scientists a young one and her mom and every one of them said the same thing everyone is creative mm. and my friend paula was saying i have people come she does public dreams and she does these things she says i have people come to these workshops when they're Becoming part of this event, and she said, and they all say, Well, I don't think I'm creative. And she says, I say to myself, Well, we'll just see about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I like that. Oh. Yeah. keep anyway. saying that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, who told you that? Who told you that lie? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Thank you for taking the time for me. I'm going to make a, it'll be, I'm aiming for a half an hour, although I could probably talk to you for four and still get five podcasts out of it. But there you go. <laughs> Connie, I love talking to you. Thank you for having me. Likewise, Andrea, always a pleasure and always interesting and stimulating to talk to you. If you'd like to find out a little bit more about Andrea's projects, past, present, future, just log on to her website. AndreaMenard.com. I'm going to send you out with a bit of that amazing song she talked about, Silent No More I think you'll enjoy it and thank you for listening to this podcast Join us next week when we'll be looking at creativity with two women of science mother and daughter and what the buzz about bees have been
3: keeping another man since silence Afraid to speak out Just a voice in the wind